Hello, everyone. This is Jenny Whittington, Ermia's Executive Director, and welcome to Ermia Matters. I have a special guest with me today. It's Erich Young, and Erich uh, partners with us on our risk management study group. So, welcome to the podcast, Erich. Thanks. Glad to be here. So, I love to start things out by just having people explain um, a little bit about your history and um, how you got involved with Ermia. I, I've known you for a, for a long time. I can't even speculate where where I met you, but it's been a while. We've known each other for a long time. So, please give us a little bit of an introduction to your history with risk management. Sure. Well, like many people, I kind of fell into, you know, more of the safety and risk management field, worked at a grocery store, and uh, we had an inspection by our corporate office. And next thing I know, I was put in charge as the safety coordinator for our store. And from there, kind of fell in love with the safety world. And eventually, a position opened up in the corporate office and joined as a regional safety specialist. And uh, about uh, six months into it, our risk manager ended up leaving. And so all of a sudden, risk management responsibilities fell on the safety side of the house and again, uh, fell in love with it and started learning about the associate risk management and all the different designations that were out there. And eventually, another position opened up with a risk consulting service. And I ended up taking on that as they started forming self-insured groups and was with actually with that company for about seven years. And eventually... Uh, did some consulting work with the University of California, where I met Grace Cricket, and most people know Grace, you know, when she was with the University of California, and now she's with Wisconsin, and she was really my mentor. And I got the opportunity of to kind of doing some consulting and got to kick the tires as their environmental health and safety director. And at that point, the University of California was starting their, their journey on enterprise risk and got to learn from the best got to serve as a deputy director for enterprise risk. And that's actually where we ended up meeting was there and spent about five years with the university of California. And lo and behold, I got this weird email on LinkedIn, someone <laughs> saying that they were looking, uh, hiring for a global safety manager for Google. And I thought it was a phishing scam, you know, being a work, <laughs> from a risk manager perspective, I didn't click the link, but I did my own searches and found out, yeah, they actually are looking for, for that position and actually called the person and went ahead and applied. And about a week later, I was told I got the, you know, had an interview and, and within two weeks had an offer uh, to join as their global safety manager and did that for about four years. And one thing is people know Google all over the place, but they, they think of it as just a search company, but they're, they're, as they are global, they're in 60 countries. And part of that responsibility was traveling uh, to all the different countries where we had offices and what last year, the last year is there traveled about a hundred thousand miles and uh, oh being, being that uh, part of the risk management, it's an expensive place to live. I actually traveled, um, my daily commute was a six hour round trip train ride. And after wow. four years, it was kind of enough. And then went back to, to my roots with the public sector and where I'm at now with PARSAC, a public agency risk sharing authority of California, we're a joint powers insurance authority for about 35 small cities and still doing my work with uh, the universities, with Ermia, as well as uh, very involved with the ISO 31000 uh, group and on risk management and, and helping with the standards development process. Wow, that's that's quite a history. And I think Grace Cricket has been a mentor to many. I run into her from time to time, and it's always great to see Grace. So thanks for that shout out to her. So tell me a little bit about your history with the ARM. When, when did you actually get your ARM? 
Oh, actually, I don't remember. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well, what I can tell you was it's, it's more about how many versions it was. Um, it was after they started doing the multiple choice exams. I want to say it was probably around 2003, you know, no, 2005. And so I, that's when I, I think I got mine. And since then, it's gone through several iterations. And sure. actually how I started teaching it was really the best way to learn a topic is to teach it. And sure. so with the risk consulting company that I was with, ended up internally doing classes for our own staff. And then that grew into, we had an office in Los Angeles and they said, hey, we'd like to join. And this new thing of doing you know, webinars kind of got started way back when. And so I started doing that. And then someone said, well, hey, can you record these things? Sure. And eventually it grew into where people started requesting them. And instead of responding to emails, I said, you know, I'm just going to start a website and just make it easy for everyone to, to do it. And I've so far, I think I've had over what, about 2,300 students uh, wow. online take the course. And if you figure, you know, the three courses that were there, you know, so probably over 6,000 you know, classes have been taken by students over the last, uh, and really the web, the actually website only started about five years ago. So that's pretty good for, for the last five years. That's great. So in my early years with Ermia, we've, we've always had some kind of ARM review with our conference. And then we used to give a pen and our pencil and paper. They were very strict about the pencils exam. And then we would have a proctor and then that kind of, we, we couldn't do that anymore. So um, you've been our instructor for several years, uh, bringing the ARM review course to our members. So we've just been been thrilled to have, you know, partner with you on this. And the reason why we were having you as a guest today on the podcast is during this um, unprecedented time, uh, while some people may have more time on their hands uh, when they don't have to commute and some other things that we miss doing these days. Um, people are taking advantage of it and maybe, you know, doing some professional development. Can we go back to the beginning and, you know, what, what your advice would be for somebody who's kind of new to risk management? And I know, I know there are a lot, there are a variety of designations out there, but the ARM is one that our uh, board has always felt, you know, that it should be recommended to new people. Can you tell us just a little bit about the designation and that, like the requirements that it needs over time? Sure. So the ARM is always, for the most part, consists of three courses. In the past, it was uh, really more of a focus on, you know, risk assessment, risk treatment, and risk financing are kind of the three pillars that it's built upon. With the recent uh, changes to it, it's now more global. It's still the same, you know, foundation of those three things of risk assessment, treatment, and finance. Uh, and so those are the three exams that you'll, a person would have to pass for it. Now, why it's in, I think it's important in, in a good foundational area is that it does cover a broad section of topics. And, and whereas before it was really fo focused on insurance. So probably when you and I took it, even back prior to 2010, this was before ERM became, you know, a, a, where they thought it was still a, maybe a flavor of the month. And so it, it evolved from really focusing on the hazard risk. And now what the ARM is really about is how do you assess risk holistically from an enterprise level, not just the insurance aspect? And I think that's really the key part is that for the longest time, when we, when we thought about risk and those type of things, we always thought, what kind of insurance do we need to purchase or, or those types of things? And now we look at it, well, if most of the risk we have is uninsurable. Right. Over probably mm -hmm. over only 40 percent is insurable risk. And when it comes to the reputational risk and strategic risk and all those other types of things, I think that's really where we can uh, use 
that designation and, and use the information within the course to, to really help our organization. And so I think it really does set the table of how to think differently about risk and, and using also the things from ISO and COSO, all the standards that are out there. It, it does provide a really good framework and lays a foundation. And the other part, the rally does, is globally, the, the ARM is recognized. Um, I know RIMS, you know, we have the CRM, there's other designations out there. But when you look at the one that's really recognized almost anywhere, so you say you have your ARM, they know what that means. Sure. And is there a continuing education component for the ARM? So that's one of the things that make, does make it unique compared to others. There is no continuing ed. So once you have it, it is for life. Obviously, the uh, we always want to encourage continuing education by going to Ermia and, and those conferences to, to spread that word. But yeah, once the nice things, it's not one of those things where it's a moneymaker, <laughs> some, some would say, where you have to continue you know, taking courses just for the score, uh, sake of taking courses. Very good. I know that was a, a big... Um a point to to our board of directors early on in, in my learning about about the designations and the different things out there in the community, that that's really important to um, members who don't want to have that burden of a, a continuing education need or the budget for it. So mm-hmm. I think it, it, it is terrific that they kept it that way. I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about um, how long it takes to study for each course? What's your... I believe like back in the day when we would, we would, we would start promoting it with our conference, even like six months out, mm-hmm. how long do you say it takes a person to get one of the tests? So uh, the old course prior to the new recent revision, I would say it's about 10 weeks is what okay. you want to plan for. So, and if you think about 10 weeks, that's almost three months. And so within the year you can, you should be able to actually get your ARM with the revision. They've actually taken quite a bit of content out and simplified it where it used to be 11 chapters, it's now down to nine chapters for the uh, course. And so I've actually moved that study timeframe to about eight weeks. So actually the online course, when people, if they decide to do the study group, we try to provide a structure that you pretty much study one chapter per week. Some of the chapters are smaller, so we try to tackle two chapters. And at the very end, we have a course summary that kind of goes over test-taking tips, what you really, you know, what is most likely going to be on the exam. And so I'd still say between eight to ten weeks. And we do have some people, especially now, when we, if you're going to instead of binge watching whatever the latest, you know, <laughs> Tiger King or whatever, uh, you can binge watch um, the webinars. And I've had people actually take the entire webinar series in one week and actually pass the exam. So I don't recommend that. <laughs> yeah, but for, for those that, that can do that, certainly that, that is a way that people can do it. And then other people take a little bit longer and it's really designed the on-demand for to fit within your schedule. So if you want to get up at 6 a.m. and do it, people need to download it. If someone emails me, says, hey, I'm traveling, obviously that not now, but if they, when they are traveling on a plane and there's no Wi-Fi, I'll give them the MP4 files so that they can actually listen to or watch during that kind of dead time. Uh, why they're actually on a plane or uh, other access where they don't have uh, Wi-Fi. Yeah, actually, one of our board member, our current board members, Pam Jeffries from Tennessee, mm-hmm. I think she told me that she listened to it in her car while she was commuting, mm-hmm. and um, she really enjoyed that flexibility. I'm sure there are some th- you know, some of them that are more slide dependent than others, mm-hmm. but listening, I think, is is a great option. So, so actually, on that, which which is funny, I've actually had people come up to me. Um, and they may have never seen me, but they, they hear my voice and they go, you're that guy that teaches the course, aren't you? And, <laughs> and it's and it's kind of funny where when I go to a conference um, and I've heard that and I've heard other people 
talk about, yeah, they, they listen to me in the car, which is you know kind of odd. Uh, but hey, you know, you're right. And some some require a little more slides, but a lot of it's just listening to the concepts. What I try to do is explain the textbook. And so even if you someone listens first and then they read the textbook, that'll help them with their learning as well. That's terrific. Well, anything else that you want to talk about the revisions or any any special shout outs about the test itself? Yeah, well, I think, you know, while this is going on, one of the challenges, you know, the, the, from a testing standpoint, the institutes actually just recently sent out an email to students that they can actually test virtually, uh, meaning they can test from their home. Whereas before you had to go to a ProMedics or whatever the testing center and it's proctored. Well, those centers are closed now. And so they still want to encourage people to take tests. What they recently did send out is it's for an unproctored exam, because technically you could still look at your notes. So there, I think it's a little more difficult. I don't know exactly what it will look like, but the test now has to be com- completed in an hour. So can't look up stuff online, <laughs> you know, makes it tougher. <laughs> and it is still 65 questions and the questions they're doing are applied questions. So instead of asking for a definition, what I mean by applied, it's a scenario. So you've got to, you really have to understand the information. It's not really about memorization at that point. It's about how would you actually apply the information uh, to be able to take that. So I haven't, I've had a couple of students indicate that they're going to try the virtual and they were going to get back to me. So once I hear back and, and hopefully I'll send some notes out and, and we can get the word out of what that does look like. Otherwise, for those that may be waiting and hopefully we can take the test in a month or two at a regular testing center, normally it would be two hours to take the exam and about, you know, the questions, you only get about 22 applied questions normally. And then the 43 or whatever, do my math right, would be the kind of direct memorization, you know, what's the definition of risk or those type of type of questions. So that's, that's probably one of the changes. The other thing I think it's important to note with the, with, when they made some of the changes to the textbook is they took out references to ISO and COSO, which I thought was interesting. And so they're really just if you want to call it a generic brand of enterprise risk of what, what does holistic risk mean? And they have put more emphasis on the importance of communication and technology and how, you know, and the new, the new ARM 400 is called risk in an evolving world. And the idea behind it is to really look at, you know, things are changing so quickly and how do we use technology and I think also the importance of how we communicate that to leadership, that it's not just the risk manager that's doing risk anymore. And that communication with senior leadership and and the data and all those types of things are all part of that. And the other big emphasis, I would say, between, you know, talking about sensors and big data, which they revised a little bit ago, but a lot more discussion on blockchain technologies and things like that. So when when you start reading some of this, a lot of times we might be going, wow, what's this blockchain thing? Or we hear about it more, you know, you, you're, there's so much more of that happening now. And I think they're trying to get ahead of the game of knowing what's, what's down the road. And so that when we start hearing that information as risk managers, we're aware and know how to use it better. But uh, that's probably the, the, the main thing, you know, from a change standpoint and, you know, take advantage of the resources that Ermi is providing with, with the study group. You know, I enjoy always teaching the course, you know, when we actually at the conference level, but at the same time uh, to be able to do it online on your own time, you know, it can be expensive. And, and our goal with this is really trying to promote professional development and do it at a low cost, especially those working in public entities and universities, you know, costs can always be a challenge. And so we want to make it, you know, affordable and reachable uh, for students. 
Yeah, I mean, now more than ever, I think, you know, these are going to be trying times for the whole higher education marketplace for the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. So Ermi is happy to provide this member benefit. And we are so happy to have you, Eric, that that does this. And I know um, one thing Louise and, and I talked about in, in our office when we were talking about how to kind of market the revival of the, of the um, series with you was to even market it to people who already have their ARM. You know, why not refresh their skills? Because it sounds like there's a lot of fresh content out there. And I know a lot of people who got their ARM, you know, a few decades ago, <laughs> who, you know, it, it might be a good time to t- take a, a little brush up. Yeah. And actually to that point, so besides the designation, the old content, the old ARM 54 and ERM 57 and RMPE 352, which is the public entity risk management, even though the, those designations, technically you can't test for them, I have actually kept those on an archive section. So for those that want to just do some professional development on their own, you can still access all that with all the information. There's no login required or you know signups or waivers required. I'm still providing that because I think it is important, like you said, whether you already have the designation and you just want to um, brush up on some, you know, new techniques or something, or maybe you've never taken the um, public entity risk and want to see what that's all about. You know, it's, it's worth taking a look at that as well. That's great. So this is kind of a, uh, you brought up something. So people that have the ARME, will they still be able to get that? Unfortunately not. So the ARMP and the ARME are basically those people are whoever have, has those designations. They're the last ones to receive that. And, and I think part of the change, well, I think two things, the RME, ARME, part of the reason why they discontinued that or also why they started it is it was really for those people that had the ARM from 20 years ago to give them an opportunity to basically advance and, and to get that new information. And with the new courses, you know, even the old ARM 54, the most recent one really was covering enterprise risk. And so it kind of served its purpose for the last couple of years, but the new content is all about enterprise risk and it covers that information. On the ARMP, the downside with that one is maybe only 20 people a year probably tested for it. And the textbook was, I think, published over 20 years ago and was never updated. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, and, you know, talk about, you know, things don't evolve that much in public entity side. And, and also the reality is, is that from a risk management perspective, whether it's public entity or private, a lot of the techniques that we need to use are the same. There's some unique things about police and fire and some of the things that public entities have to do. But, you know, how we evaluate and treat and finance risk is going to be pretty much the same. But, um, sure. but yeah, there, there's some still interesting, I think, some chapters in the, in the uh, RMPE 352 that I think would be helpful for those, um, you know, that go beyond. And, and actually, now that we're online and think about this, I'll, I'll maybe pull some of those out and kind of make, make a, the, uh, you know, people are passing on Facebook, your top 10 albums that influence you. Maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll pull out the chapters that even if you're on your own, what, what are some of the, what are some of the uh, recordings that might be best use for you in your downtime? So. That'd be kind of fun. And you could have your students vote on the, on the best ones. Yeah. 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 Social media. We'll, we'll make it work. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much for being my guest today. We, we got this together very quickly. I really appreciate you being flexible. Thanks so much for being my guest. And this is it for Ermia Matters. Thank you. Thank you. The Ermia Matters podcast is brought to you by the University Risk Management and Insurance Association. You can find and subscribe to the podcast on any podcast app. And while you're there, we'd appreciate if you'd give us a five-star review. 
And be sure to visit www.urmia.org. That's www.urmia.org to check out our wealth of online resources. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.